my business, Yogi Surprise, the, the one I'm, I currently operate on the mm-hmm. side, um, you know, we do we do over $150,000 a month in, um, in gross revenue, and, and it's just me and two other people that are running it, That's right? That's not bad at all. Um, Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. This episode is brought to you by Remarketing. Remarketing is an email marketing platform specifically built for e-commerce businesses. With Remarketing, emails are automatically triggered by shopper behavior and purchase history. With a few simple clicks, Remarketing allows you to recover abandoned carts, win back inactive customers, make product recommendations, deliver newsletters, and a whole lot more. In other words, emails you will send through Remarketing will be highly targeted with glaring improvements on your open rates, click rates, and most importantly, conversions. You're also able to track revenue generated from every single email sent by Remarketing. Try Remarketing absolutely free for 30 days, no credit cards, and no contracts. To sweeten the deal, 2x e-commerce listeners can get Remarketing for 30% off an entire year using the coupon code PODCAST30. That is coupon code podcast three zero visit remarketing.com to learn more remarketing is email marketing for e-commerce simplified hello 2xers welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast and i'm your host kune campbell this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail get to helping ambitious online retailers looking to scale their businesses by 2x 3x and even 10x I handpick the guests that come to this show to share their expertise in helping you grow metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, traffic, and ultimately sales. On today's show, I have someone who's going to be talking about repeat customers in the context of subscription commerce. He goes by the name of Jameson Morris. Now, I'll give you a bit of background in him. In 2011, when he was just 22, he co-founded ConsciousBox.com with a $10,000 student loan. ConsciousBox, as most of our US listeners listening to the show now would know, is one of the biggest players today in the subscription commerce space. Jameson unfortunately had to exit ConsciousBox due to the complications of VC funding and having learned never to use outside funding to launch a subscription commerce business, he went on to found multiple bootstrapped lifestyle subscription box businesses. He sold one of the businesses a while ago for a tidy sum that enabled him pretty much purchase a house and then he founded another business around yoga with thousands of subscribers as as we speak. His subscription commerce wizardry has landed him a job at CrateJoy. CrateJoy is a subscription commerce platform akin to Shopify, but this time dedicated to subscription box businesses. As a director of consumer marketing, um, that's what he does. He helps their subscription business clientele 
launch and grow their businesses. And on today's show, he's here to talk about pretty much how to grow, launch or extend like a community or an existing e-commerce business to subscription commerce. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jameson Morris to the show. Welcome to the show, Jameson. Could you take 30 seconds or so to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, my name is Jameson. Uh, I love subscription businesses. Um, I've started several of them since 2011. And uh, now I'm the director of consumer marketing at CreateJoy, a platform for subscription boxes. And uh, I spend a lot of my time helping people build successful subscription businesses. Fantastic. Because every time I type out subscription box businesses, subscription businesses like help, I, your, your name seems to pop up around you know um, the, the web. Let's rewind to five years ago. You were age 22, I suppose. You took out a $10,000 student loan to kickstart your first business. Um, could you shed some more light into um, into your entrepreneurial journey at age 22 with, with 10K of debt? Yeah. So the very first thing that I did before I started getting into subscription boxes was uh, I started a natural lifestyle online publication. I just wanted to write about natural and sustainable living. Um, and I wanted to build a really good website and I wanted to, I wanted to execute it very well. So I, I took out some money and built this site. But then I quickly couldn't figure out how to monetize it. You know, I wanted to do something besides advertising. I want to do something unique. And so we started trying to do niche deals. We thought a niche version of Groupon would work really well. Um, and it didn't really. Um, and then we were trying to, to figure out how to, it's me and my partner, Jesse, um, doing all this together. We were trying to figure out uh, a more creative way to to monetize this publication that we built. And uh, we talked to a lot of natural product businesses and um, we just trying to figure out what their needs were and how we could help. And um, one of their biggest problems was just getting exposure and wanting people to know how authentic they were. And around the same time, we had saw um, Birchbox had launched their their beta of Birchbox. They had like just started um, and we saw that concept and we thought it would apply really well to the natural product world. And at the time, Birchbox was literally the only one doing this. And we thought it was genius um, when we immediately saw it and thought it would be a good application in natural products. And that's how ConsciousBox started. And we literally spent you know, the last couple thousand dollars we had, built some nice custom packaging because we wanted the experience to look nice. We launched ConsciousBox and probably less than a couple weeks. And when we, the first day we launched, we got a couple hundred subscribers and we instantly know, knew that uh, it was, it was going to work. It was a good concept. Oh, really, really good points. I have a few things I want to talk about um, from, from, from what you just said. Um, first things first, um, you kept an eye on the startup world. So you, you know what was going on in the startup world. Were you like a tech crunch reader at the time, at the same time quite keen on natural living, natural healthy living and, you know, publishing when you started this? What was the name of the website, by the way, please? Oh, it was called, uh, it was called Organic Soul. Organic Soul, uh, okay. So prior yeah. to starting Organic Soul, were you kind, did you kind of have one eye on in the tech world, so to speak, and um, you know the other pretty much in, in the organic and healthy living space, and and then you tried to marry both. Um, was that the case or not? Not really. I didn't even know. I lived in Southern California at the time. I didn't know about a tech world. I didn't know anything about Silicon Valley. 
I was just one of those kids that was entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. been online since I was 12 and just like trying to figure out how to make money on the internet. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so, and when we, when we uh, moved Conscious Box to Santa Monica in Southern California, we got a little commercial space. It wasn't until I actually, until I moved to Santa Monica where I discovered this whole like LA startup scene. Mm-hmm. And then once I got into that, I started learning more about what was going on in Silicon Valley. So I was pretty blind to all that. I was just simply trying to be, find creative ways on how to make money online. So I don't even think I learned about TechCrunch until, <laughs> you know, after starting ConsciousBox. So I wasn't in those communities. I was pretty, pretty siloed out of them. Okay. Later, like, later got into them. Yeah. And most like the the environment in Santa Monica is it quite vibrant with with other startups? Um, when you when when you set up um the initial website, it was uh it was ConsciousBox became pretty established before we started hanging out with the the local group. So we felt pretty cool. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> when we you know I mean, it's it's fun though. Everyone's got an idea. Everyone's doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are doing things that are actually successful, and there's a lot of people that just have ideas and are trying to figure out how to how to monetize them and build them. So okay. it was a it's a good community, but you know you kind of have to. You kind of have to be careful about getting caught up in true. you know all the all the hype. True, true, true. You, you just mentioned you you started well. You, you set up Conscious Box in a matter of weeks. I, I love the agility there. How how rough a spec was it? Because this is really lean um, from a lean startup standpoint. So, so, so yeah, so, so how quick and agile was it, and how? Fine-tuned was the product in order to attract um, – you said you worked really well on the packaging, so we're going to talk about packaging also. So, so how, how good was good enough to attract um, subscribers? Okay, so the way that we launched ConsciousBox is not how I would recommend launching a subscription um, these days. We we didn't do any kind of pre-launch phase. We didn't mm. start with it. We didn't start with, like, collecting leads, really. We, we put up – the website it was a static site it wasn't like you know a Cratejoy website or a you know wordpress site it was a static site we connected with paypal which i also do not recommend doing um <laughs> and uh we spent a bunch of time thinking about product, which was one of the, the, the things that we did right. We, we knew that the experience had to be good. We wanted the packaging to look good. We knew we, we didn't want to just deliver a box of products. We wanted to deliver an entire experience. Um, so we were lucky that our, our instincts at the time on, on how important product was um, were right. So we spent most of the money that we had on, on doing an order of some really nice custom-looking boxes. Okay. And then while that order was being processed – we were putting the site together. We didn't have the boxes done yet. We had blank versions of the boxes. So we did a little photo shoot in the office and then we photoshopped the design onto the blank boxes. So it it was kind of all about timing. And then we got the site up. We had some, we had good pictures, which is um, a lot of things, something a lot of people don't actually do. And we launched the site and we had a little leads list from organic soul and and we got it out there to to bloggers and YouTubers, which was easier at the time because there weren't as many subscription boxes. So the concept being so new, Birchbox being the only one, that was you know we had that going for us. So wow! So it was one hundred percent bootstrapped at the time. Yes, wow. and 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 still every every subscription I've started since then has also been one hundred percent bootstrapped. How many <laughs> subscription businesses have you started since Conscious Box? I've directly started four. I've helped start other subscriptions like Loot Crate, which is huge now. That was started in the original Conscious Box office. We helped those guys do their first shipment. 
we've since then, um, you know, I've helped dozens of other subscriptions start. Um, and it's actually a lot of what I do at CreateJoy is I'm helping merchants be successful. But yeah, I think directly about four, but I, I forget. Because <laughs> I, 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 I caught up on your blog because you have a personal blog, which I'm going to link to from the show notes. And it is highly, highly, highly detailed. And you're so open and you shed so much light on subscription, excuse me, on shop subscription e-commerce. Um, it's, it's highly recommended. So, so I, I guess even readers of your blog, with your help, would have, you know, st- set up and, you know, launched their subscription commerce business in addition to not these ones you mentioned, in addition to, to these ones you mentioned also. Okay, um, let's, let's talk about, um, yeah, I, I could actually... In 2011, I could catch up a press release. I caught up on a press release in October the 11th. Oh, wow. On Unconscious Box. (laughs) Nice. um, Which was about um, when you started on CSR Wire um, in California, Santa Monica. And um, yeah, you. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I'll link to it. And you also mentioned um, Organic Soul and Conscious Box. You also founded at the time a publishing business called subscriptionboxes.com. Was this kind of strategic or for like more or less a better understanding of the industry or um, yeah, was was it for any other purpose? Um, well, so, you know, when we started realizing how popular the concept was, was getting like soon after we started ConsciousBox, all of a sudden, you know, 20 new other subscriptions started up. So, we, we bought a bunch of domains, subscriptionboxes.com being one of them. The reason that we built subscriptionboxes.com is because we thought it would be a way to do lead gen for ConsciousBox. And it actually worked. I mean, we were driving hundreds of subscriptions from subscriptionboxes.com to ConsciousBox. But then, like, that website, like, it, it exploded. Like, mm-hmm. um, like it just the, the amount of traffic, organic traffic that was coming to it was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't control that website anymore, but um, it was definitely like a really exciting thing to see happen. And because we owned subscription boxes um, at at the time, we got to see like these kind of industry industry trends happening, and it was really exciting. That's, that's quite novel, and you know, um, yeah, it was quite clever to to latch on to to such a domain and publish to it and get so much data coming in. I guess it helped you optimize the the growth of Conscious Box at the time. Um, could you describe your journey, you know, from idea to conception? Well, more or less, rather than from conception to, 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 from idea to conception, more or less your early successes and failures of, you know, um, setting up a subscription, a bootstrap subscription, you know, box business. What, what, what kind of, you know, um, early successes did you get? Obviously, the first few subscribers, you know, made probably gave you more motivation. But what, what early failures and other successes did you face in the early phases of um, Conscious Box? So Conscious Box, we... We had a lot going for us. We we did the product right. We nailed the the niche. Uh, it was a good niche. It was a good community of people. People that buy natural products want to know what that what they're buying is authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and our and our service was was marketed as a way to discover like you know really high quality, professionally curated natural products, and that worked really well. Conscious Box was pretty successful um, organically. We weren't spending money on advertising. Wow. We were growing it through influencers. The concept was really new still. Um, raising venture capital funding eventually was kind of kind of a mistake. I, to this day, I now 
Um, I now strongly think that subscription boxes are meant to be, they can be really good lifestyle businesses, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're necessarily businesses that, you know, should be scaled to, you know, crazy proportions unless, you know, in, in certain categories like Dollar Shave Club, you know, maybe Birchbox, those, those guys have been able to get pretty big. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, you can start these businesses with like, you know, very little amounts of money up front. You can lean test them really well by testing the concept with like a specific niche community. What I've learned with subscription businesses is they work best when you when you create them for like a very specific community of people who, you know, are really passionate about a certain topic or they identify, you know, with mm-hmm. with that niche, you know, whether it's whether it's vegans or people who do yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really good categories for subscription businesses. So I always say go more niche whenever possible. Do something you're passionate about that you can be authentic about. But we learned a lot with Conscious A lot of things that worked for Conscious Box though back then wouldn't work uh, today. Um, okay. For example, Conscious Box was a sample discovery service. It was a lower price subscription. It was about $19. And all the product we got, we got for free from vendors um, who gave the product to us in exchange for marketing benefit. That is much harder to do now because vendors are kind of overwhelmed with it. There's so many people hitting up vendors for donations. Um, it's also hard to, con- to maintain um, product quality consistency because you kind of just take what you can get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some of my newer businesses, like Yogi Surprise, I have a higher price point and I have built-in margin to buy products. So I usually get things for close to cost, right? I can still negotiate because I'm doing some nice size bulk orders, but I can really pick and choose what I put in the box and I can, uh, I can really control the experience. Okay, you know so, what I mean? So the supply chain you, you suggest now, if you're doing subscription box, box businesses, should be acquired. Basically, you should buy your stock and then curate it for, 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 for your subscribers. Is, is that... Is that the case? Or? Yeah, you really, you really just can't control the supply chain unless right. you, um, unless you're, you're, you know, have the money to pay for those orders, right? Okay. And you can get really good deals, but just don't rely on free product because, like Conscious Box, one thing that happened was we had to like dramatically scale a sales team. Mm-hmm. Like we had to keep onboarding people who were just trying to get free product donations, like all the time and it, it's 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 a scary thing you don't have complete control over it you know with with a when you're buying the product you only need one buyer even if you're even if you have 20,000 50,000 subscribers you still only need one buyer but if you were trying to get free product you'd need maybe a sales team of 5 to 10 people you the, know what I mean the overhead yeah yeah mm-hmm. and you can't really give them um really decent commissions to, 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 to motivate them. Okay, let's track back to, to a few things you, you just said. One was, um, you know, you'd suggest in most cases subscription box businesses to be lifestyle businesses. Could you define lifestyle businesses from an operational standpoint and a revenue standpoint, please? Yeah, so when I, when I use the word lifestyle business, um, I think what I'm talking about is a, uh, a leaner business, you know, mm-hmm. usually maybe it's you and a couple friends or, you know, just a couple people. The cool thing about subscription businesses, a lot of things, um, elements about them can be uh, automated, right? From like the way fulfillment is happening to your marketing and your, mm-hmm. your, your email marketing, your drip campaigns and, um, you know, customer service can be done really easily with a contractor. So I really mean businesses where like 
the, the teams are small. You don't need an office. You can work out of coffee shops with your friends. Um, they're just more, they can be more flexible businesses. I, um, you know, like my business, Yogi Surprise, the, the one I'm, I currently operate on the side, you know, we do, we do over $150,000 a month in, in gross revenue. And, and it's just me and two other people that are running it, right? It's not bad at all. Um, yeah, and that's totally doable with subscription businesses. They're more predictable because of the recurring revenue portion, and it just makes operating the business so much easier. So, um, okay. yeah. Then you mentioned something about a lean test. Could you shed a bit more light on how you lean test concepts in subscription commerce? Because I, I, I suppose it would be slightly different to a SaaS business um, just because there are products involved, and, um, yeah, the subscribers would be slightly different. Yeah, you can lean test them without actually, you know, even getting to your minimum viable product. Well, I mean, there's there's no the minimum viable product is pretty minimal, um, but uh, with the subscription business, you know, get get your concept um, down, get your find the community you're going to target, put to you know put together sort of a, a sort of a concept of your product. Um, you know, maybe you're maybe you're photoshopping a blank box and you're putting a little picture together. The the idea is to get a teaser page up and test your content. Test your product um, with with a community with a niche community, right? So, okay. um, Yogi Surprise launched with a with a teaser page, and we wanted to see how many people we could you know get an email opt in for. We actually ended up getting ten thousand people that opted in with their email to learn more about the concept before we even procured any product. Before yeah. we started getting custom packaging made, then when we launched. We did a pre-launch where we then started taking subscriptions. Then with the revenue from those subscriptions, we used that to build the business, right? Okay. Um, for our listeners not very familiar with um, your, your, your current um, subscription commerce businesses, Yogi Surprise and Furball, Furball Box, sorry. Could you shed some more light on, um, on the niches they cover? Just explaining what the, the business is real quickly, please. Both businesses. Uh, well, Furball Box only lasted for, for about a month. We uh we launched we got we wanted to see how fast we could launch a subscription business mm-hmm. and we we wanted to do a cat subscription because there wasn't one at the time so we literally launched this business within 24 hours wow. we got it up we got like I think we got like a hundred subscribers in in a couple of days and then we started how then we started sorry getting, how was it via Facebook was it via Google how did you get 100 people to subscribe that's a challenge to some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we had a big list of uh, of bloggers in the space that we put together, and okay. when I mean big, I mean like two thousand people that we asked for help spreading the word. Right. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So we launched that business. We got um we got about a hundred subscribers from it, and then we started getting the customer service emails, mm-hmm. and they were like these these cat ladies that would send us like four paragraph long emails and like. <laughs> specific need and and we know we know how like crazy consumer customer service can get from conscious box and we're like we just don't want to deal with this and like we literally shut the business down because of that we're like okay we don't we're not and we also weren't really super passionate about cats and we realized this this is not gonna last long so we shut it down Um, really picky customers and follow your passion really those are your takeaways really 
Exactly. Okay, okay, okay. So easy to manage, I guess. You're looking at the future, looking at customer service, looking at, you know, the overheads in, t- in terms of time and cost um, commitment from customer service. And you're like, uh, no. This it's just, no it's so hard to deal with it too if you just mm-hmm. don't really care about it that much. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. What about Yogi Surprise? Um, you, you, were onto, you, you, you definitely were onto something with Yogi Surprise. Is it about yoga or um, what? It's a, we like to call it a yoga retreat in a box. It's been a really great niche. Um, yoga is not just a form of fitness. It's an entire lifestyle and culture. And that's a, that's a really good sign for a subscription box niche, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these people are very active online. They're super active on Instagram. It's literally the perfect, um, perfect community. Um, and Yogi Surprise has, has done really well. We, we grow the business with spending little to no on marketing, no money on marketing, you know, we're passionate about it. We all do yoga. Um, that makes everything about the business so much easier to Absolutely. run. It's really the ultimate lifestyle business. Okay. And um, how much are subscriptions, um, monthly subscriptions for, for Yogi Surprise at the minute? Uh, it's about $44.95. So that's price. a high price point. Yep. Um, we, we made it a little bit higher so that we could offer people 10 and 20% off for life discounts. So we mm-hmm. kind of like built in a little room there for, for promotions. Okay. Um, and then there's another product, a yoga jewelry box, which we launched um, after the lifestyle box, which is the $44 one. We have a jewelry box that's 20, about $24 a month. Um, so we've got, we've got good margin in there to, like, to really control the product experience and put really good quality stuff in the box, which is so important for retention. Okay, okay. I'm I'm just going to 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 throw a curveball here. I a couple of episodes back, I I had the founder of um, Love with Food, mm-hmm. and um, she also runs subscription e-commerce. Well, obviously it's a subscription e-commerce business, but she sort of views the business in in two ways. One is she she does the samples, by the way. So, so one is um, from the standpoint of it being a subscription business, you know, as you know, as as it is, and the second is a research, a research business for the for for the companies they they sort of get the samples from, so they get customer feedback, and um, feed it back to the suppliers, and um, they then decide a go to market strategy for um, for for those products. Um, would this community would, would would it work? Could could you sort of split the business in half from your standpoint, um, from subscription business? Or would you would you want to keep it plainly a subscription commerce business where you curate the best? You understand your audience. You curate what is best for them. Get feedback and keep on improving what you send to them on a monthly basis. Or she's they're more or less playing two games here. You know, having two customers. One's a, one is front end customer and one's a back end customer. What, what, what's your thought on, on that, you know, using the data you get um, as pretty much um, market research? Sure. Um, well, I'll tell you that a lot, of the, a lot of the businesses that started in 2011, 2012, ConsciousBox, Love With Food, the ones that had the sample discovery model, um, mm-hmm. all kind of went down that route. That's kind of the route that ConsciousBox eventually went because we realized, okay, if we're going to have to continue to procure product for you know tens of thousands of subscriptions going out every month, we've got to figure out how to provide a, provide more value back to the vendors, right? Mm-hmm. Because the last thing you want in a sample discovery business is getting a bunch of free product, but then that vendor not being happy and then never never sampling with you again, right? Mm-hmm. So love with food got in that position 
position where they're like, okay, we're getting bigger. We really need to maintain product quality. We've got to keep retention high. We've got to provide, find a way to justify um, to our vendors to continue to give us more free products. So they had to go down that sort of market research, you know, data, market data route. And because what we found out with ConsciousBox is that we could not directly influence um, full-size product sales. We just couldn't do it. it. It couldn't work. That was the downfall with ConsciousBox. Um, the only other option for ConsciousBox was to raise the price, right? Mm-hmm. But Love with Food has kind of stayed at the same price point. The only problem is when you're, when you're, when you're using market research and, and data to justify getting free product from those vendors, you're stuck with the big you know, multinational vendors. That's true. It, That's true. You're stuck with like you can't work with like those cool small home based companies. You can't work with those brand new cool companies you see on the shelves of Whole Foods. You've got to work with the big brands. And unfortunately with the big brands, it's really hard to maintain a, a cool looking box every month. You know, the products all tend to be like supplements and like stuff that can only be produced in like mass volumes. So that's the only problem I see. Absolutely. I'm 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 on with you on that. I'm on the same page with you on that. Okay. Um, let's track back to to um, Love It Food. You, you guys managed to raise um, $1.5 million, is that correct, in your second year? Yeah, somewhere. I, I'm, I'm not sure what it ended up being. It's, I think it was somewhere between $1.5 to $2 million. Okay, okay. What led to, to you, you know, saying, you know, just um, throwing up the towels and, um, you know, doing it in your own um, from Conscious Box or your, your exit from there? Uh, well, I was, uh, it was 22, 23 and I had just moved our business to Santa Monica and everyone was talking about raising venture capital and we're like, all right, we're going to build a big company. This is what we need to do. So there wasn't much like intelligent thought that went into raising that money, but, um, we, we got good at learning how to raise money, right? We actually ended up, we actually ended up doing it, which was a, which was very hard to do. Um, it was a great experience, but, um, I'd, I'd never recommend raising venture capital for these types of businesses anymore. Just because I know, like, you can build a multi-million-dollar business subscription business like bootstrapping it with little money. Like, if you if you need venture capital for your subscription business, you're doing something wrong, in my opinion. And then, um, what did you do after? What was like your first project after um, ConsciousBox? Uh, Escape Monthly. Okay, and um, what was that about? Escape Monthly was, uh, we called it a vacation in a box. You got products from different places in the world each month. Uh, And that was a higher price subscription. It was about $44. And uh, and we grew that one to a pretty good size. I think a couple thousand subscribers uh, over a year, you know, spent little, no money on marketing. Um, Me and two friends, and we sold it a year and a half later and uh, bought a house. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. <laughs> so you just grow businesses, sell them, and buy houses. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, okay. And then after that, I suppose Furball, for Furball Box and Yogi Surprise came after shortly after that. Uh, actually, Furball Box was right was before Escape Monthly, right after oh. Conscious Box, and like, okay. and that was really more of an experience, uh, an experiment. experiment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about the specifics of um, subscription commerce in in general. And I want to ask something quite fundamental. What's what's the, in your opinion, if, if there's a difference between a subscription e-commerce business and a subscription box e-commerce business? A subscription e-commerce and a subscription box. So I, um, I like to describe um, consumer subscription businesses as subscription boxes. You know, I think I think the kind of main difference is like whether it's a, um, a replenishment subscription, like Dollar Shave Club, mm-hmm. um, 
versus uh, versus like more of a curated collection of products. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I like to use the word subscription box for for all of them. You know, I, I'll call Dollar Shave a subscription box. I think a subscription box is really um, a consumer subscription that is delivered um, on a recurring basis. Um, you know, to the customer's residence, right? I think I'd like to use the word subscription box for okay. to sort of cover all that for everything. Okay, right. Um, so, so what elements, in in your opinion, um, form the DNA of a subscription commerce business? Um, I would say so. I think sometimes I don't know. It's it's difficult, you know. Like the subscription commerce, I think it sort of is all encompassing for like B two B and consumer stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think a subscription. I think a subscription commerce for consumers as simply getting either a need met on a recurring basis. Okay. Um, you know, or you know, I, I think even like even something like Yogi Surprise. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think replenishment subscriptions are 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 the only ones that are need based. You know, I think I think the people who get my yoga subscription, Yogi Surprise, see that as a need because it's so close to what they identify with, right? Mm-hmm. So. If you can create a subscription business where, you know, with a niche where you're creating a consumer product where your customers perceive that as a recurring need, that's kind of what you want to aim for. Okay. So I suppose we, we should take a step into um, how to sort of deconstruct um, a need that's not obviously there as with the case of replenishment and um, to figure out how to test or convince people who are passionate about something that they need a subscription box for the purpose of discovery. So, so do you have a formula um, for our listeners, you know, thinking about going into subscription or, you know, or, or pivoting into subscription, into subscription box business or as to how they could figure niches out to get into or set up and test subscription commerce models sorry that's a long question cool um so so basically you're asking like how to identify a good niche is that yes (laughs) in plain english yeah um well i guess i always i say this a lot i always say the first place you should start is think about what you care about okay? okay and then um and then from there you know you're looking for you're not just looking for, you okay, know. Okay, a, Let, let's take me, for example. I like going for mud runs. So, um, okay. And, okay, so I feel like it would be something I like to do on a regular basis to build a business around um, mud running. How would you approach it? How would you sort of um, sort of build a subscription box business around mud racing? Okay, I probably, a typical mud ra- racer, a real keen mud racer would go for at least four races in... In a year, is it, does that even qualify for subscription commerce business? Or if it, it, um, it it may not. If it, if, if mm-hmm. it's, I think if it's purely a hobby, you know, and it's not something that you. Your it depends lifestyle. on how. Yeah, yeah, it depends on like how obsessed the, the people are. You know, it's like you're looking for not just a category. You're looking for like a culture. You know, things that mm-hmm. define people's way of lives. You know, like you want you want to find categories that people actually identify themselves with. You know, like mm-hmm. um, like here, phrases you want to look for, like. You know, with with uh, yoga, you'll you'll hear people calling themselves. You know, they'll say, "I am a yogi," or someone that's that's vegan. They they like it's not only a diet, but people like define who they are with it. I am a vegan. Mm. You know, you want to look for people using phrases like that. You know what I mean? It's an identity, a tribe, an existing tribe of people. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Makes yeah. sense. The more that you know, the more that uh, someone defines themselves by a certain community uh, or, or a lifestyle, um, you know, they'll be, uh, you know, th- they'll be really receptive to a product that you create that acknowledges who they are. You know what I mean? Those are things that you want to look for. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. I came across a concept on your blog, which is like complete customer life cycle in the context of commerce so and and you mentioned stuff like subscribe try and buy could you shed some more light on that please that was a concept that we we um were we're going for with conscious box um we thought that we could we thought that the that this um, discovery sort of sample element of the box you got we thought we could turn that sampling experience into full-size product sales um, right, which is which is essentially what Birchbox does. Right, they send you a small box for ten bucks of samples, and then they try to get you to purchase the full size versions on their site. Love with Food um, does that in a way, um, and so that was what everyone thought was like the gotcha. big concept. Gotcha. Um, the upsell. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. In terms of the buy. Okay. Right. Um, I read a blog post of you, yours um, about the do's and don'ts of subscription e-commerce, and you had one about building a sustainable, let's go through, um, the, I have a list here, one's build a sustainable pricing model and profit margin. How do you do that? Well, the first thing is don't copy your competitors. You know, you want to you create a price that actually works for your business. A lot of, there were a lot of subscription businesses that went out of, uh, went out of business in like 2012, 2013, because they were copying like conscious boxes, 19 bucks a month or like, and they they were just thinking, oh well, my competitors priced at that, so they must have if they can make it work, then I can make it work. Well, Conscious Bucks wasn't wasn't actually uh, working. Our price needed to be raised, um, right? But so many people were not paying attention to what their actual cost of goods were, and they were pricing incorrectly. So do the work yourself. You know, price it fairly and, you know, acknowledge your competition, but don't just copy their price point and run with it. It's probably not going to work. It's likely your competitors are doing it wrong, too. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. What about, um, let's talk about, like, sp- speaking about profit margins, what kind of margins should people build out when they're thinking about their subscription business? What is it? Should they have at the back of their mind as a formula, so to speak, so they don't, you know, um, get into trouble, really? Yeah, I mean, it's even with a lean business, it's crazy how much uh, just you know surprise overhead expenses can eat up your gross profit, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I always say at least build in forty to fifty percent profit margin. That's after you know your budget for the products. That's after packaging, shipping, you know all those costs of goods. Like make sure you've got at least forty fifty percent left there because um, trust me, that will get eat up quickly, and before you know it, you won't be making any money. So okay. um, a lot of people try to keep their price really low so they're like you know they're trying to make it work with like a 20 30 percent margin like that's just not sustainable so in today in 2015 could you kind of describe the price tiers um because you you know you, you mentioned the fact that um a 44 dollar subscription is is on the high side what what tiers um are kind of established now in in u.s dollars in subscription commerce now especially in the consumer um side Ah oh, man, it, you know it really depends on the niche. Um, I will say, I will say at uh, at Crate Joy, um, 
across all of our subscription businesses using the CreateJoy platform, the mm-hmm. average the average price point uh, is thirty five dollars, and I th- I think that's a really good price point. It's not so high that I think it really hurts conversions that bad. My Yogi Surprise ends up being about thirty five dollars after the main kind of lifetime discount that promotion that we run. Mm-hmm. Um, but that seems to be a, a price point that a lot of consumers are comfortable with. Um, you know, I think from $35, I mean, I've A-B tested this a lot, you know, dropping it down to, to $25 doesn't, um, doesn't really affect conversions that much. Whoa, um, okay. you know, it's not till you get, I'm, I think it's not till you get really over $40 that it starts to hurt conversions. But again, it really depends on your margins, uh, and the niche that you're in. Okay. 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 That, that makes a, a lot of sense. Okay, what about product quality? You said product quality matters. Don't skimp on the detail. Could you shed, um, you know, some light on that, please? So when I use the word product in the con- um, in the context of a subscription business, um, I'm talking about the whole experience from the packaging to the print materials in your box to the products. I see a lot of people like rushing to like launch and get their product going. They order like ugly looking blank boxes from Uline that they, they don't really pay attention to the details. Um, and those details are what are going to keep your customers sticking around month after month. So, you know, spend the time on nice packaging, like think about, are you going to use tissue paper? Are you going to use like crinkle cut? Like, you know, just what is that whole experience going to be? And, and then ask yourself the question, like, is this something that you personally would buy? And a lot of people don't actually ask themselves that question or, or they do and they lie to themselves. So, <laughs> True, true, true. Is is Crate Joy? Just speaking of Crate Joy, um, is it U.S. only, or is it U.S. and Canada only, or um, are you now global? No, Crate Joy is totally global. Anyone can start a subscription business. Ah, on okay. So for our UK listeners, you could start out a, a, a British pound um, driven e subscription e commerce business on Crate Joy. Yep, you can. the The only restrictions are on the uh, merchant processor that you use. But um, for people in the UK, um, our default merchant processor, Stripe, uh, is totally mm-hmm. compatible. So, oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, um, then another sort of um, going back to the do's and don'ts of subscription commerce. Um, another point you you made um, in the article was the most successful subscriptions fulfill real needs. Gimmicks aren't sustainable. Could you just um, shed some more light? Although we've talked about this a bit, brushed in this a bit. Yeah, well, you know, the definition definition of a need, I think, is pretty subjective. So, you know, like I said, if, if it, you know, if it seems like a frivolous consumer product to one person, you know, in in the the context of a specific niche, that person could very well perceive your product as a need, right? Mm-hmm. By gimmicks, I mean, I see like. I see people just starting a surprise box. It's like it's no specific niche. It's just like get a box of random crap every month. Like that's a gimmick, you know. Like you know, if it's not like a real niche, if it's not a community of people that are passionate about the product, like you know, people are not just going to buy your subscription surprise box. You know, like <laughs> actually, actually, I mean, I think what I mean by that is just like create quality. You know, these are not these are not cash machine easy businesses to start. You still have to create a quality product, you know, for for a specific niche audience or it's just not going to work. I absolutely agree with you. Okay. And the other one which which you talked about is don't rely on free samples is not sustainable at scale and you know it's hard to pivot to your pricing model without serious churn. We that pretty much says it all. Okay, yes. what about customer satisfaction? You said customer satisfaction is the best indicator of your business health. Be obsessive about it. How do you measure customer satisfaction from from your standpoint? Um 
Well, in a in a subscription business, it's easy. It's kind of easy to to measure on your you know your churn or your retention rate. You know, if you if you're losing more than fifteen percent of your customers uh, every month, then there's there's an issue with your product. Or, I you know, ConsciousBox had an issue with customer service. It just got so overwhelming, and ticket response times were taking days. You know, with Yogi Surprise, uh, a customer always gets um, their ticket responded to you know within an hour, okay. right? And so. And that and that really it's funny like how how customer service like really can change the perception of their of their business. I mean, you know, it's it just if if you're having like long response times and uh you know you're not polite, like one one bad ticket like can spread around like wildfire and Absolutely. destroy business. Uh, bad, bad news <laughs> travels faster than than good. Um what about things like a net promoter score? Um do, do do you would you recommend a net promoter score to to measure customer satisfaction or do you think that's an overkill and you should just look at the hardcore metrics? You know, I do, I do measure net promoter score every 2 months just cuz I think it's fun. I don't take a ton of value from it. It's not a super actionable number. The thing that's that I find valuable is is literally the raw the raw feedback that but you no, get. Okay. People actually leave a content a, a comment. You know, like that's actionable data. But it's it's fun to, to do it. You know, if you're using something like Zendesk, it's really easy to measure net promoter score. But um, yeah, okay. It's, okay, okay. And um, with regards to to um, churn, because I was going to ask you about churn, but that just skipped. With $35 product, what kind of churn is manageable and indicates a healthy business? Churn rate listeners being the percentage of drop-offs from a subscription you know, business. Yeah, I think um, for a consumer subscription business, um, 10 to 15% churn is, um, is pretty much expected, even if you're doing everything right. You know, uh, It's different from like a SaaS business where you want you know, negative churn, but you know, if you're only churning five to anything over fifteen percent, I think is is could be a red flag. Okay. Um, it, you know, so I think some niches inherently have higher churn, but like, uh, yeah. niches like what from from your perspective, from what you've seen in Great Joy, will have above fifteen percent. I things like um, you know, like we have a lot of food and candy subscriptions. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, you kind of get sick of getting candy to your house, you know, after three months or so, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I think I think um, some of those kind of more fun gimmicky subscriptions tend to have a little bit higher churn. But okay. and how do you strike the? Have you got any beard brands? You know, guys who are growing this fad of um, you know beard growing, or well, I have one. Do you have any subscriptions on Quick Joy um, that you know based on you know mustaches and beards and stuff like that? Uh, I do. I think we have a couple. It's mm-hmm. definitely not. It, we do have a couple for sure. It's definitely not. It's definitely not the biggest category. I mean, Crate Choice got a, a ton of food subscriptions. That's gotcha. probably the big, biggest okay. category on there. Okay. Okay. And okay, that's that, that's interesting. Okay. Right. What about um you, the the final point where we're going to go back to that blog post is that most subscription businesses can strive, sorry, can thrive at um extremely low overhead. Um, don't raise venture capital. So you, you really think that, you know, um, so what kind of capital outlay basically, and that's going to lead on to this question, um, are subscription businesses running on Great Joy um, starting off with in, in US dollars? Oh, well, you know, if you can start them with, with zero dollars, if you have the right, um, you know, if you've got a group of friends, right, where there's like one of you guys knows how to design um, really well, can do a logo, 
you know, I think that's really the main thing, right? I mean, like if you if you structure your, your business launch correctly, like you really can launch them with, you know, no money out of out of pocket. You know, the, I think for most people, like the main thing is like just getting a nice logo done and, you know, getting a design for your site done. If you have a friend or someone you can bring onto your team that can do that kind of stuff, then you'd never have to be out of pocket. But, um, you know, I would say I, I would say at max, you know, it's not really necessary to spend more than a few thousand dollars. OK, OK, OK. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. OK, let's talk about Create Joy. OK, no, let's go back to it. I have a final question. Um, Do, do you think the subscription box business is saturated at the moment. You, you did talk about lots of failed startups um, in 2012 and 2013 trying to replicate the success of Birchbox, which, which typically happens. You know, when people see gold, um, there's a gold rush. So what are your thoughts on the state of subscription commerce, um, especially in the consumer end? Well, I certainly don't think it's it's saturated at all. There's there's a lot of them, and they've been it's the amount of them has been growing pretty dramatically over the past few years. But mm-hmm. I think I think really just it's a it's a I think it's a superior you know form of e-commerce, right? I think um, both for for business owners and consumers, right? And Amazon did a lot in sort of paving the way for you know consumers to be more receptive to the concept of a subscription. But um, the element of recurring revenue makes them more sustainable, predictable businesses for business owners. You know, when someone is creating a niche product for a certain, a specific community, consumers are really receptive to that. I mean, I think consumers are getting used to like getting exactly what they want and getting their needs like perfectly catered to. And I think subscriptions um, address a lot of these sort of evolving consumer needs. So I, I just simply think that this is the direction that, that e-commerce is going. And I mean, if you compare the amount of e-commerce businesses to subscription business, it's a pretty dramatic difference. I mean, obviously there's millions of e-commerce businesses. I think maybe you could say there were, you know, 1500 subscription box businesses. So I think it's still a, a really great opportunity to get involved in okay. um, as an entrepreneur for sure. <clears throat> so for the average U.S. household, does every U.S. household um, have a subscription to some subscription commerce business of sorts? Well, I mean, I see no reason why eventually people aren't subscribing um, to have most of their needs met on a recurring basis, for sure. I mean, you know, whether that's whether that's like, you know, things like razor razor blades and, okay. and you know, toilet paper or whether that's for like, you know, your certain interests and hobbies. I mean, I, I don't think that there's really any end to uh, how many subscriptions, uh, gotcha. you know, are normal. Okay. okay, I was just trying to gauge the health, well, the penetration of subscription commerce in, you know, in North America. And, and uh, I think it's, I think the penetration of it's very, very low still. Um, you know, I, I, I personally, uh, I know I personally only subscribe to a couple subscriptions right now, but okay. um, I know, I know many people that, you know, still haven't, really taken hold of the concept yet. So I think there's still tons of room to grow. It's, it's very early stages. Absolutely, because Dollar Shave Club is, is, is a poster child of subscription e-commerce, subscription e-commerce. Yeah, and I've I recently read that they're, uh, they're selling more razor blades than Gillette. I heard, yes, indeed. Okay, um, let's just talk about Quick Joy. Um, let's lead, lead this on to Quick Joy. Do, do you think... So, like existing e-commerce businesses can seize the opportunity of subscription commerce 
um, let's say a pharmacist selling men's grooming products and you know they 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 see a trend that um you know um guys come to you know, to buy facial creams or whatever or you know um shaving you know sticks from them on a regular basis can they kind of latch on a subscription commerce model into their existing e-commerce um, business as a growth lever Oh, yeah. I think people with existing e-commerce businesses or existing communities, um, subscription is the perfect way to either monetize a community that hasn't been monetized yet or to build a more predictable revenue stream for your existing e-commerce business, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I've been selling one-off products with my e-commerce business for years, I mean, adding a recurring revenue component to what I'm already doing would, would totally change my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And create joy. You guys are like a Shopify for subscription e-commerce. Is 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 that analogy, you know, correct in, in your opinion? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, Cratejoy is a an e-commerce platform built specifically for subscription businesses, and uh, everything that we built from the ground up is is one hundred percent tailored to uh, consumer subscription businesses. Okay. And and you being the director of consumer marketing at Cratejoy, what does what what does a, a day look like? What what does your role look like in in, in uh, at Quake Joy? So uh, I do I do a lot of different things um, because uh, you know I'm one of the only people on the team that's that started um, multiple subscription businesses. Mm-hmm. So I do everything from just talking to merchants and helping them set up subscription businesses that are going to be successful. A lot of what I do is on the marketplace. If you go to createjoy.com, you'll notice that it looks like a consumer shopping destination. So we're kind of, you know, we're kind of growing towards sort of an Etsy um, for subscription boxes, and, gotcha. and we're trying to we're trying to make consumers more aware of subscriptions. We're trying to help. You know, one thing we're doing that other platforms don't do is we're we're actually trying to directly help our merchants with customer acquisition. So. You know, me me having grown multiple subscription businesses, um, I'm now in charge of growing. You know, all Cratejoy subscription businesses. Right. So, yeah, that's interesting. And I can actually see a review, like a store review, which is quite good. So people can you know quickly assess due to social proof. Um, you know, businesses as Wet Shave Club here, um, there's Faith Box, Boo Candy. It's pretty interesting. Very, very interesting stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting subscriptions that I never <laughs> thought would pop up. That it's, it's crazy. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so, so how many stores are powered by Quick Joy at the moment? Um, a lot. I think it's the numbers over a thousand for sure. Now, um, you know, the, the amount of the, the success levels are, are pretty spread out. I mean, we've got some pretty massive merchants, um, you know, a lot of people that are still gearing up as well. So uh, it's become, it's, it's really fun to see. I mean, there's, and people are coming up with more and more unique concepts. And I think, I think that's the key is, you know, the more sort of, the more niche and the more like custom tailored you can get, I think the better. Yeah. When you talk about massive, uh, are these like existing e-commerce businesses that have decided to go into subscription commerce or are these, as you alluded to earlier, um, like platforms with huge communities that have um, latched on subscription commerce to, to their models? How do they grow to, 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 to be massive? Well, I think, you know, actually some of the bigger ones, um, having an existing community in place, you know, like we have a, we have someone that previously had an Etsy business and she had grown, um, her Etsy business for a couple of years 
Um, and then she decided to transition her Etsy business into a CreateJoy subscription, and she just blew up. Like That's her clever. audience totally <laughs> loved the concept. I mean, this is really what they this is what they really wanted. They're getting you know her cool creations every month on a recurring basis, and like it changed her life. I mean, this this lady is doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month That's in clever. revenue. That's absolutely um, clever. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of the big ones had existing communities. Um, you know, a lot of the traits are, are the same. I mean, there people are doing things that, that feel authentic. They're doing things that they're actually passionate about. Uh, we have a lot of first-time entrepreneurs um, that, you know, are creating successful businesses for the first time. So there's a lot of exciting stuff like that happening. And then you've got people that had, had existing businesses and are either transitioning to them to a subscription or adding a subscription component to their business. So um, lots of different backgrounds on CreateJoy. Okay, so what does customer onboarding look like? Obviously, it might be daunting for, you know, for a newbie or even someone who's, you know, used to e-commerce, a traditional way to, to move into subscription commerce business. And I could see, or at least I made some notes here that you you have an, a subscription commerce school. Um, how does that look like and how, how has that sort of helped launch and grow um, subscription e-commerce businesses on CreateJoy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we created subscription school because... There are a lot of best practices that are a little bit different with subscription businesses, um, and there really weren't many resources before. So that's one of the reasons we created Subscription School. Um, you know, I think you mentioned uh, how to, growing these businesses, mm-hmm. getting your first customers in the door. Um, mm-hmm. My my biggest thing is is try to try to build anticipation and build interest before you actually launch. You know, it's way easier to get an email than it is to get a sale, right? So if you come up with a cool concept. And then you and then you introduce it to this like unique niche community that you're catering to, um, and you get them to just put their email in just because they're interested. You know, you're gonna get your pre-launch list is gonna convert closer to you know 10%. Whereas after you launch, you know, your website may convert at 2%, right? So I always suggest trying to build up that anticipation before you actually launch. Um, and then that way you'll launch with you know 100, 200 recurring subscribers. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that revenue and your business is instantly profitable. You know, if you if you immediately launch with no pre-launch or no teaser process, you know, you could launch with crickets and you could be losing money for the first two months. So mm-hmm. and I, I actually I actually on my blog, I actually outlined uh, I have an article, uh, The Right Way to Start a Subscription Business, and they outline these steps that will take you through the right way to time everything. Oh, yeah, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Um, so talking about um, anticipation and interest from the hundreds possibly of um, subscription businesses you've seen launch at um, CreateJoy, what, how do they do it? What, what recurring theme um, did they sort of observe or to you know together to, to to actually execute a perfect launch that you know had conversions in the double digits i don't think that there's a, a specific answer to this one okay. um and, and honestly a lot, i think a lot of these people aren't aren't even following sort of these best practices i laid out in that post i just told you about um mm. I think there's a lot of people that are getting lucky. There's a lot of people that just had really existing active communities that are latching onto the concept really quickly. You know, there's people that are big that grew slowly over time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a pretty diverse uh, mix of experiences. So you know, there's I, I by no means say that you know my way is the the most perfect way, but it's definitely it definitely is a clear path to success. Okay, would you suggest sort of blocking initially, or you know, um 
yeah, blogging around the topic and, you know, building that community around the blog and giving value and then eventually, you know, talking about the launch or um, for, you know, the brand new startups. And on the other hand, for more existing um, e-commerce brands, you know, since you already have, you know, a community, you just, you know, drop the ball at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know, and that's that's how we launched. Um, that's how ConsciousBox was able to. One of the reasons we did so well out of the gate is because we we blogged and built a community um, in the sort of natural lifestyle world for you know a year. And we had a we had an email list of of leads. Um, it was small. It was like five thousand people that we acquired through the blog over a year. And you know, just having that existing community in place and using that as a launch pad you know, worked really well. Um, yeah. And, and I suppose keeping the momentum, you know, um, as with the community with great content and still having the subscription business on the side would, would help on board, you know, new, new customers. Cause most people who blog, um, that want to monetize it beyond advertising will think about, you know, digital monetization, which would be more or less, you know, I'm changing to a paid subscription, you know, creating a gated content, you know, um, a gated subscription, publishing platform which you know can put a lot of people off when you think about it but i guess you could still maintain the free content and then have this you know um, subscription business on the side is, is anybody doing that or yeah i mean that's a that's such a i mean having a blog with a community is just such a great platform to launch a subscription business it's, it's really the subscription box becomes an extension of your blog mm-hmm. you know it's like and we we use um yogi surprise we have a, a blog that's it's pretty b- decent. I mean, we've got 200 original articles. There's a section on the wow. site called the Yogi's Journal, and um, we tr- we try to convert um, that or- the organic traffic from those blog posts into into customers. We've gotten better at it. It is it's it is hard to do, and the content it's a long term strategy, you know, as well to get that content to a point where it's actually a becomes a good driver mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. of traffic that's going to convert. But man, if you've got an existing blog, like a subscription box is a way better way to monetize it than uh, ad revenue. Okay, okay, makes sense, makes sense. I was also going to ask about um, apps, you know, like in Shopify and, you know, other SaaS-based um, um, e-commerce platforms, um, that there, there, there's kind of like an app store or, you know, an app economy um, around um, these platforms. Do you guys have um, an app Marketplace, Cratejoy, uh, yes, Cratejoy okay. has an, an app marketplace. A um, lot of different integrations. Okay, okay. And um, what about Cratejoy's pricing? Um, it appears to be flat, which which is interesting. Thirty nine dollars a month, um, which there's uh, um, a one point two five percent plus um, a ten cent um, fee per transaction. Is is that the case, or do you have other tiers which I simply cannot see? No, that's that's the that's the pricing for everyone. We we tried to keep it pretty simple. It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. And I, I mean, I'm, I I wish I had this when I started Conscious Box because we spent we must have spent two hundred thousand dollars trying to build our own platform, wow. and it, we still were never able to get it as good as to where Cratejoy is today. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, and um, you obviously support the the entire world which is good so uk listeners people in the eu australia new zealand everywhere in the world um yeah quick joy is um is global which is really really good could you tell us any success huge success stories um if, if they let you from from your customer base out at um, quick joy yeah definitely um you know the one i was the one i was talking about uh, 
earlier, the one, the, the woman lady. who started yeah. on Etsy Excellent. and transitioned to Create Joy Store, um, uh, that's that is um, fandom of the month uh, club, okay. and um, you know they're doing a lot of revenue. It's it's her and her family. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great family lifestyle business that they've built. Um, we've got uh, faith box, which is, which has become a pretty good size subscription, mm-hmm. you know, run by, run by a small team. Um, uh, we've got Russell Crate, It's a father son team, um, that's doing this full time. So we've got all, we've actually got a lot of really cool little success stories like that. And most of these people are, you know, either first time entrepreneurs or their family businesses and, you know, there's been more than a few occasions of Create Joy merchants, you know, buying homes and their lives completely changing from the, the recurring revenue that they're generating. So um, that's one of the most exciting things about working for Create Joy. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. I was also going to ask you prior, you know, when we talked about churn and um, we talked about the 10 to 15 percent um, on churn. So what kind of numbers should you be doing from an acquisition standpoint to keep a healthy subscription, you know, commerce business? So if, you know, 10, if, if, if I'm seeing a 10% drop off in, in subscribers, say I have a healthy 1,000, you know, um, subscribers to, to, to my business and 100 of them are dropping off. How many do I need to acquire? What, what's the rate of customer acquisition of new subscribers? Um, good, decent, um, subscription businesses are um are getting to 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 keep healthy well i mean as long as you can outgrow churn every month it's it's great i mean you've got a thousand subscribers and you know you're churning at 10 percent. i mean if if you can i mean if you can if you can add 150 to 200 subscribers every month i mean that's that's great you know um is that uh, right? and, and yes, absolutely. And, and are, are you know are these kind of companies doing that? Um, are they able to sort of bit the churn, bit their churn every single month? Yes. Uh, yeah. They. I mean, they have to. I mean, these or else they wouldn't keep growing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think some of our most successful merchants are are certainly. I mean, I mean, we've got merchants that are adding thousands every month, right? And uh, mm-hmm. growing churn. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you start not being able to outgrow churn, I mean, your business can goes downhill pretty quickly. Okay, okay, right. Um, is there anything about subscription commerce um, we haven't talked about, or you'd like to talk about? Well, um, I just i <laughs> i always I, I urge people to create to create quality, and I you know these businesses can make a lot of money, and they can become great businesses. You know, I make a lot of money doing it on the side while working while working full time at Create Joy, but they're by no means you know easy cash machine businesses. And I think I think some people get that impression, but they do require a lot of hard work. You know, they do require that you create a quality product month after month. You're doing great customer service. You know, it is serious work, but if you're up for it, um, these can be absolutely amazing businesses to run. Okay. So as much as their lifestyle business is still quality. And you still need to put the work in. Okay, good stuff. Right. Um, let's let's go to the evergreen questions. Um, it's really really quick answers. Really. Um, so let's start off with um, what has been your best mistake to date? That is a setback that's giving you your biggest feedback. Let's see. I would probably um, probably conscious box raising venture capital i learned more about um business than most of my friends that have mbas during that experience (laughs) okay what parting piece of advice do you have for people considering adopting subscription e-commerce ventures 
Uh, my parting advice would be, uh, I think I got a lot of people who don't know where to start. Uh, if you don't know where to start, just take a step in any direction. You know, if, uh, even if you're not sure if it's the right direction, just, just take steps to do things. And as you take those steps, the right steps will become more clear. Okay. What about existing subscription commerce businesses? What, what tips do you have for them? Don't do fulfillment in your house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What books or resources would you recommend to listeners from an e-commerce standpoint? Um, uh, well, the, <laughs> I would recommend a subscription school.com. It is literally that. And, uh, my blog are literally some of the only resources available that go into deep specific details on best practices for starting subscription businesses. Excellent. I shall link to it for the show notes. Okay. Finally, could you let our audience know how to find and reach out to you? Oh, um, the best place to reach me is, uh, my blog, jamesonmorris.com. I, uh, besides that, I don't spend much time on social media. I don't do Twitter. I don't do Facebook. I I'm pretty much always running my subscription business. <laughs> you're, you're a productive man and it pays the shows. Okay. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure um, having you on show, Jameson. Um, yeah. Wish you the very best and thank you for, for sharing your, your wisdom in subscription commerce. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad we could catch up. Thank you for sticking to the very end of today's episode to X's and hope you found Jamieson's story about Conscious Box, Yogi Surprise and Great Joy inspiring. And, you know, I hope this has also been a good primer on subscription box e-commerce if you're thinking about going into it. To download the show notes and read the full transcripts, head over to 2xecommerce.com. Now, if you listen to this pretty early, you may not see it up on 2xecommerce.com, but just pop in a few days later or better still, subscribe to our list, to our email newsletter and you'd get an email alert as soon as it comes up. The reason why it takes a bit of time is most of the show notes, apart from the, the, the transcript you get word for word, most of the show, most of the show notes are three to four thousand word blog post. They're really, really, really detailed. I break everything down to the last detail. So if you prefer to read, you could just you know get everything in chunks, and you, nothing is actually missed in the show notes. And then that's why we we take a bit more detail on 2x e-commerce um, with regards to reproducing the content and converting, um, you know, this, whatever you listen to, you might be in your car or, um, or, or you might be in the gym or you, you, you might be taking a walk. Um, just be sure, be rest assured that when you get to 2x e-commerce.com, whatever you listen, any interview you listen on, you know, on, on, on audio will be really detailed and outlined, you know, on, on, on our website so until the next show do have a fantastic one and see you later 2xers bye-bye thanks for listening to this episode of 2x e-commerce to help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2x your online retail business hop over to 2xecommerce.com it's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host Lay campbell 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening.
visit 2xecommerce.com. <laughs>